Well, good evening. First Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. I pray that you'd help us to be men and women who would do as that song said, that you'd help us to be men and women who would trust you and that we would obey you, and God, that we would live for you in a way that would be pleasing in your sight. I pray that you'd help us in the next few moments to just give attention to your word and to not be distracted by other things going on maybe in our lives tonight. I pray that we would just give attention as, you would, uh, as we need to to your word. And God, that uh, we would honor you tonight. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, I don't know if you would remember this or not, but we looked at the first 12 verses of chapter 10. In doing so, we began by looking in verse number 12, where Paul told the believers of Corinth that they needed to take heed, uh, lest they, uh, those that would think that they stood, uh, lest they fall. And the idea was this, is you may think that you're grounded, you may think that you're established, you may think that uh, you are unmovable in your faith or in your walk with the Lord, but he said you need to take heed or give caution lest you fall, and the idea was falling flat on your face. And so in verses 1 through 11, he explained the past of Israel and some of the things that they were guilty of, and he said you need to be careful against these same things because these could be indicators of a future fall in your spiritual life. And so I just want to remind us real quickly of what those things were. First of all, it was a lust or a desire for evil things, things that were not godly, things that would not be pleasing in the sight of the Lord. He then mentioned the subject of idolatry, which is anything that would stand between them and the Lord. It didn't have to be a graven image. It didn't have to be a specific object that they would bow down to, but it would be anything that stood between them and the Lord. Then he spoke of their moral life, and if they were to fall in their moral life, it would lead to a fall in their spiritual lives. And then finally, he talked about testing the Lord, tempting Christ, and doing so by way of murmuring, griping, and complaining, or a reference to their attitude. And so all of those things were mentioned as what could be indicators of a future fall. And if you and I don't want to fall flat on our face, spiritually speaking, whether it be private or public, then those are at least some things to give attention to and to look at and to make sure that those things are what they're supposed to be, that our lives are right in that area. So much more that could be talked about, but that's what Paul addressed in chapter 10. Now tonight I want to talk about something. I know it'll seem a bit odd, but just give me a minute to develop this. And as I've said many times before, I hope this will make sense in the next few moments. But I want us to think about something that is so common in our society today that we hardly even notice it. In fact, we probably never really pay attention to it unless there is a reason to give attention to it. I want us to think about the fact that with every building that is built these days, emergency exits are set in place for those who may need to leave the building, obviously in case of an emergency, right? You ever think about that? I mean, do you ever walk into Walmart and say, okay, now where are all the emergency exits? You don't do that, do you? You're so used to it, it's so common, you're so aware of it. I mean, it's just, it, it's just how our world is built or how our society is built anyway. So we don't think about it, but we know that they're there. You go into a hospital, you go into a restaurant, you go into a shopping mall. 
even if a church decides to build a new building because of codes and because of laws and things like that, they have to make sure that there are plenty of exits that are available in the event of an emergency. Now, obviously, an emergency exit is designed to save lives, correct? In the event of an emergency, here's what we want people to be able to do. We want people to take advantage of these exits and find their way to safety. And those exits are available to who? It would be available to everyone, right? It would be, it would be available. I'm struggling with my words tonight. I apologize. But it would be available to everyone who was in that building at the time of the emergency. And we would also know this to be true, and it would be the case outside of a catastrophic event, and that is this, is that if a person wanted to find safety, they would be able to find safety because of the way things are designed and the way things are built. Now, again, if it was catastrophic, if it was out of the ordinary, if it was just something spectacular by way of magnitude, a person may be trapped and may not be able to get out. But under normal circumstances, if an emergency took place, whoever wanted to find safety would be able to obtain it. Now, I say that tonight because of the verse that we're looking at in a couple of moments. But I want to begin this evening's message by looking in the middle part of verse number 13. In the middle part of verse number 13, here is what Paul writes to the believers of Corinth. He said, but God is faithful. But God is faithful. Now that's a powerful statement if you think about it, is it not? God is faithful. What does it mean when Paul said to the believers of Corinth that God is faithful? It meant this, and it today means this, that God is reliable, that God is trustworthy, that God is dependable. Whenever we hear the words, God is faithful, we can know without a doubt that God is reliable, He is trustworthy, He is dependable. God is not one, as, as we would know, He is not one who deserves to be doubted. It is not right for you and I to doubt God because God is faithful. God is not one who deserves to be questioned, though we do tend to question Him sometimes, do we not? God has proven Himself to be faithful, reliable, trustworthy, dependable. Therefore, He does not deserve to be doubted by us. He does not deserve to be questioned by us. He doesn't deserve any kind of skepticism from us. You know, to be kind of skeptical whether or not God will do or will not do what he has said. No, God does what he says he's going to do. God is faithful. God is reliable. God is dependable. God is someone that we can place all of our trust and all of our confidence in. That is who God is. Now, though that statement is inserted in the middle of this verse, it's very key to what we're going to be looking at because in verse number 13, the verse begins by saying, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. Now most of us again are familiar with this verse, but I want us to walk through this and just think about it, because here's what I know. I still need to be reminded of the truth of this verse, and if you're honest, you still need to be reminded of the truth of this verse. Paul said to the believers, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. 
Now, this word temptation, I don't know what you normally think whenever you hear the word. I know what I think, and I think a temptation to sin. There is something out there that is trying to trip us up. There is something out there that is trying to, to snag us in our walk with God, make us fall, make us fall flat on our face, that that is what the temptation is a reference to. And though that is what we generally think of a temptation as, really all the word means is this, for one to be tested. For one to be tested. Because if you think about the Scripture, the Scripture says things like this, Let no man say when he is tempted that he is tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with sin, neither tempteth he any man to sin. Okay, so the idea of a temptation is not necessarily this effort to get us to sin, though that is what happens many times. The idea behind a temptation is for you and I to be allowed to be tested, and when we are tested, it reveals where we're at in our spiritual lives and in our walk with God. So you think of Job, and he was allowed to be tested, was he not? As a result of how he was allowed to be tested and to be tempted, it was revealed that his walk with God was strong and established and secure in what it was supposed to be. When Job was encouraged to curse God and die, he refused to do so, and he was going to continue to praise the Lord. We know that God allowed Christ, his son, to be tested by Satan after Christ had fasted and prayed for 40 days. And we know that the disciples, they were allowed to be tested or tempted and we know that there were times in which they failed the temptations or the testings that were allowed in their lives. All right? And so whenever we read this word, temptation, in verse number 13, we don't need to just immediately think, well, it's just talking about sin, 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 though many times that is what it's a reference to. But here is what Paul said to them, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common. To man. What does it mean for something to be common to man? It means this, that this would be ordinary. That this is not out of the ordinary. This is not, this is not large by way of magnitude. This is not something that would be magnificent. What Paul is saying is this, is that there is no temptation that has taken you or testing that has entered into your life but such as is common to man. And so what Paul is saying to the believers of Corinth would be this. Listen, the testings in your life that would reveal where you're at in your spiritual walk, it is nothing uncommon or out of the ordinary. People for years have experienced similar temptations as yours. Okay? We know that to be true from the previous verses, do we not? Because he was saying to them, Hey, listen, like the children of Israel, do not lust after evil things. See, the believers of Corinth could not say, Well, you know, I'm telling you, it's just a different age and a different time in which we live. And I'm telling you, people have never been tested the way we're tested today. Paul would say, uh, no, you've you got to go back several hundred years ago. And the people of Israel, they were tested just like you were. Just like you are today, you know, when it comes to these evil lusts and these evil desires. Uh, you may think that this is really new, but it's not. 
It's not common, or it's not uncommon, rather. Uh, I mean, this is, this is fairly ordinary stuff. Well, this idea of idolatry. Well, Paul, you don't understand. I mean, this is just a, it's a crazy society that we're living in. And, and I'm telling you, Paul, it's harder today than it used to be. Paul would say, no, it's not. The temptations or the testings that you're dealing with, it's, it's common to man. Well, what about immorality? <laughs> Paul would say, this may shock you, but this has been around since mankind first sinned and, you know, sin entered the world. What about tempting Christ, testing Him, and murmuring and griping and complaining? Well, that's been around forever also. You know, so, so believers in Corinth, you, you think you're living in some unusual, peculiar, odd day? He said, no, you need to understand that, that the temptations that you're dealing with, there is no temptation taken you were entered into your life, but such as is common to man. People have been dealing with this for years. Why is that so important for us to get a hold of tonight? Because so many people today want to act like we live in such a weird, strange, unique world, and we're dealing with so many things that mankind has never seen before. Please, let's give ourselves a break from all the excuses, right? Well, you know, Brother Kyle, I'm telling you, we just live in a day where there's just so many ungodly things that you could lust after and desire and pursue and go after. Paul would say, hello, it's been around for thousands of years. Well, idolatry, Brother Kyle, I'm telling you, it's just a different world we're living in. No, it's not. It may be different things that are the source of idolatry. It may be different things that people pursue and bow down to. But the, again, the, the problem is the same, that of being idolatry. Well, what about immorality today? It's just prevalent and it's promoted and it's seen all over the place. Yes, and there's been immorality for thousands of years. Attitudes, gripings, complaining, the murmuring, you name it. It's been around forever. So when we hear people gripe about the society we live in, I understand it seems to be maybe a little bit more in your face. Maybe there seems to be a little bit more boldness in people's sin. But for us to pretend that we are dealing with new problems and new issues is simply not being honest. Well, how do we know? Because he said in verse number 13, There hath no temptation taken you. Now, I like the word no there. Somebody says, well, why would you like the word no? Because the word no is written in an absolute context or in an absolute... Uh, I don't know the right word, but it's, it's written in an absolute tense. All right? It's written in an absolute tense... So Paul is saying basically this idea, there hath absolutely no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. So if anybody wanted to argue with the Apostle Paul, he would just say, you know, you're not just wrong, you're absolutely wrong. You're not just kind of off base, you are absolutely off base. Paul would say to them, he would say to us tonight, 
There is absolutely no kind of temptation, no kind of testing, no kind of trying of your spiritual condition. There is no temptation taken you that is weird, out of the ordinary, magnificent by way of its magnitude. He said, no, this is just common stuff. What you're dealing with is what people have been dealing with for hundreds, if not thousands of years. So at that point he says, but God is faithful. God is reliable. God is trustworthy. God is dependable. So here you are in this temptation. Here you are in this testing. Whether it be idolatry, uh, immorality, or whatever it may be. Here you are in the midst of this. He said, you need to understand something. God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. What does it mean whenever he says God is faithful who will not suffer you? It means he will not allow you. He will not allow you to be tempted or tested above that ye are able or capable of. So see, if there's a testing in a person's life, if there is a temptation in a person's life that God allows to reveal unto us where we're truly at spiritually, here's what we can know, first and foremost, that we have not entered new territory. Oh man, I'm dealing with something that no one else has ever dealt with. No, that is absolutely not true. You are not unique. I am not unique. We are not dealing with something for the very first time. Man has never seen this before. No. We are in common territory. We are in common grounds. We are where many people have trod before. And we've got to remember this, that God is faithful. And He will not allow me, Paul would say to the believers and to us, keep that in mind, He would say to any believer... God is faithful, and He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are capable of. So nothing that would challenge you, that may reveal the weakness in your spiritual life, nothing that would come into your life, will be greater than what you are capable of being better than. You can have victory over any temptation that enters into your life because God will not allow you to be tested more than you are capable of withstanding. So if it's evil lust, if it's idolatry, if it's immorality, if it's attitude, if it's griping, murmuring, complaining, anything else, if that is where you are being tested and that is where you are being tried and that is where you feel as though you are being tempted, you are capable of rising above the temptation. So think about that truth for just a moment. How many of us have ever failed when the testings came? 
Well, every one of us, right? Okay, I have failed, you have failed, and there is not a believer out there who has not failed. Okay, everyone in this room, at some point, we have failed. We have absolutely missed the mark, and our lack of spiritual maturity or our lack of spiritual determination, it was revealed when we gave in to whatever the temptation or the testing may have been. Okay, so when we give in, that reveals where we're really at spiritually. We could have gotten victory over it. We didn't have to succumb to it, but we did, and there is a reason for it. Because we chose. We chose to give in to the temptation. My sin is a personal choice. Let's listen. Your sin is a personal choice. And anyone who is a child of God, who lives in sin, it is because they have chosen to live in that sin. Now, we live in a society today, even in our religious circle, that wants to say this. Oh, preacher, you poor, misguided, delusional individual. No one would ever choose to live in sin. Well, the Bible says we do choose to live in sin. Because the Bible says that if I'm a child of God, then when the temptations come, first of all, I'm not entering into new territory that no one has ever entered into before. God is faithful and He will not allow me to have to deal with some kind of temptation that I am not capable of overcoming. So if I am capable of overcoming this temptation, yet I choose not to, then what that means then is this, I have made the choice to live in that sin regardless of whatever excuse society may try to give me for why I'm living in that sin. Well, how many times have we heard something like this? Well, you don't know the way I was raised. I may not, but guess what? Who cares? It was a really, really, really rough childhood. Granted, but you're not the first. Did you know that for thousands of years people have had rough childhoods? I'm, I'm sorry you had a rough childhood, but that's no excuse. The reason you're living the way you're living today, constantly living in that sin, whatever it may be, it's because you choose to. Well, you don't understand. I mean, not only was I raised in a very bad situation, it, it was a tough, tough childhood. Uh, you haven't experienced some of the awful things that I've experienced. Maybe not. But others have. And if you were not capable of getting through this, God wouldn't have allowed it to come. 
Because God is faithful. So you witnessed something terrible. You witnessed something awful. Your childhood was just so hard. We call that an excuse when we're honest. Well, Brother Kyle, you don't understand the genetics of my family. I do. We've all got that sin chromosome. Well, I just, I, I have a, a genetic drawing to such a sin. Okay, first of all, that's a, it's an excuse. It really is. Because, see, if you are not capable of getting through this and getting victory over it, God would not have allowed you to have to deal with it. Unless God is a liar and His word is not true. Now, if that's the route we want to take, then we probably just ought to not ever come back and assemble again. Truthfully. Listen. My childhood was rough. I experienced awful things. You don't know what kind of genetics I come from. You're right, I may not. You don't know my crazy past. I don't, but you're not the first person to have a crazy past. See, the reason that people, whether it be us or someone else, our friends, our loved ones, whatever it may be, the reason that we live in sin is because we choose to live in sin. It, it's just a choice. Well, Brother Kyle, that does not fit with what my therapist says. See, that statement right there gives a lot of indication as to where the problem is. The Scripture says... There's no such thing as a unique situation. Absolutely not. What has entered into your life is something that people have dealt with for thousands of years. No one in your immediate circle may understand it, but people have been down this road before. And if you're a child of God, you've got to remember this, that God is faithful. He is reliable, he is dependable, he is trustworthy, he is one who does not deserve to be doubted, who does not deserve skepticism or anything of that nature. He doesn't deserve to be questioned. God is faithful and he will not allow you to be tempted above that ye are able. So anytime we sin or choose to live in sin and we have some kind of an excuse for it, that's all it is, is an excuse. And here is how we know. Because, he says in verse number 13, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it or withstand it. Think about those emergency exits. What are they there for? They are there in case of an emergency. 
Something is happening that is not particularly favorable to the person at that time. So the little bell goes off in the head and says, okay, this isn't good. I probably need to get out of this situation one way or the other. And so here's what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to look for that emergency exit that will lead me, as well as anyone else who chooses to take it, to safety. What Paul said to them is this, God is faithful and not only will He not allow you to be tempted above what you are capable of, but in addition to that, with that temptation or that testing, He will also make a way to escape. That means to exit, or it's the idea of an egress, if I'm saying that right, which simply means this. It's a way for people to move out, to get away from something. Paul is saying, listen, not only will God not give you more than what you are capable of by way of temptation or testing, He will always have some kind of an escape route available. But what you have to do, Paul said, is take advantage of it. You have to take advantage of it. Now you may sit here this evening and say, well, what do you mean? I just mean this. Let's just say that it's an evil lust or it's a lust after evil things that an individual is struggling with. Okay, I'm really struggling with wanting things that I ought not want and I'm desiring things that I know wouldn't be best for me. Okay, first of all, you can get victory over this struggle. And God will give you something that will aid you, listen now, that will aid you in the rescue. Well, what will He give me? I don't know. That's between you and Him. Surely you wouldn't expect me to tell you everything that God might possibly do, right? You don't pay me enough to come up with those kind of answers because I don't understand that. I'm just saying, if we want to be rescued, we'll seek out that exit We'll take advantage of it and we'll escape to spiritual safety. If it's idolatry, something that is trying to stand between us and the Lord, it may be a struggle and it may be difficult and there may be, there may be plenty of people who are bowing down, so to speak, to that idol. It may be hard, but we can get victory over this. Because if we really want victory, not only will God not give us something that we cannot stand, He will also make sure that there is some kind of an avenue that will lead us to spiritual safety. It's true of our moral life. It's true of our attitude. It's true of the griping and the complaining and the murmuring. And it is true of anything that we would wrestle with. There is nothing that you and I can face that would test us, that would tempt us, that would try us, that is new territory. Every bit of this is ordinary, common, everyday stuff for man. So we have to remember, first and foremost, I'm not unique. 
Oh, man, I, I know. We're not unique. Our kids aren't unique in what they're struggling with. They're just, they're not unique. Guess what? They're dealing with the same thing that kids have been dealing with for thousands of years. We've got to remember that God is faithful. Dependable, trustworthy, reliable, does not deserve to be doubted, questioned, or for us to be skeptical of him. We've got to remember God is faithful. And he will not allow anything to enter into our lives that we're not capable of getting the victory over. So if we're living in sin, it's because we choose to live in sin. Because with the faithfulness of God not giving us something that we can't handle, Paul said he'll also give you that escape route when you need it, where you need it, if you want to take advantage of it. Now, if you don't want to take advantage of it, then you can sit there and be consumed by whatever, whatever it is that will destroy you. You don't have to take advantage of the rescue. But if you want to be delivered, if you want to be rescued, then God has made that escape available. This evening, all I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself a couple of questions. I have to ask myself the same questions. The first question is this. Is there any sin in my life that right now I'm making excuses for? Well, you just don't understand. That's an excuse. Is there any sin in your life right now that you're making an excuse for? Because you can get victory over that sin. And then maybe something we struggle with just as much, and I know I've touched on this in times past, but are there people in our lives that we're sometimes guilty of giving them excuses for their sinful behavior? Rather than just being honest, that if they would just take advantage of the escape that God's already provided, if they really wanted to, they could get victory over this sin. Isn't it amazing how many times we baby people in their sin and we coddle them and then we empower them and we embolden them and, and, and we're just making it easier for them to continue in the mess they're in because we're right there with them saying, yeah, you're right, you've had it rough and oh man, you're right, your situation's bad. Oh, I'm telling you, I don't know anybody who's messed with something as terrible as you. We've got to quit that. Because all we are doing is enabling people to continue to live in sin, which is a result of their own choice. Is there anything we're wrestling with personally? Or are we making excuses for someone else in their sin? Either way, God has made the escape available to us. It's just whether or not we want to take advantage of it. All right? So I'll stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. I pray that you'd help us tonight to be men and women who would just do a quick inventory of our lives with your help. God, there could be something by way of an attitude, by way of a thought process, griping, complaining, murmuring, idolatry. It could be anything. Lord, that right now we're holding on to, we're making excuses for, we're allowing it, and we're acting as though there's just no way that we can get victory. God, would you help us tonight to be reminded that if we choose to live in sin, it's because of our choice to do so. God, I pray that you'd help us tonight to remember that you are faithful, that there's nothing in our lives that we cannot get victory over 
if we will take advantage of the escape that you've made for us. So I pray that you'd help us tonight to be honest with ourselves and with those that we care about and those that we love. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.